welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono. And today, Tiny Voice is talking about life after teaching. Or at least it could be life after teaching. It could be life in between teaching. So I am joined today by Emily Goodwin and Dr. Joe Montgomery to discuss that rather lengthy teaching career and whether we can actually go off on little lanes and tangents in between that time in the classroom, time in schools or anything else. So welcome both of you. Hi, welcome. I'm really pleased to have you both. So thank you. Yeah. For anyone that hasn't come across you yet, I'm going to start with you, Emily. Who is Emily Goodwin? So hi, yeah, I'm Emily Goodwin and I was a primary school teacher up until last year when I had a big career change and started my own ed tech company, uh, which is called Virtual School Visits. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just interested today to talk a little bit about that and also have a chat about this idea like you kind of hinted at there of moving on from teaching, the options that people have, if maybe they're feeling like this isn't the career for them forever. And yeah, just kind of giving my experience and hopefully helping some people along the way. Fantastic. And Joe, who is Dr. Joe Montgomery? Uh, yes, thanks very much. I'm Joe Montgomery, also known as Dr. Joe Science. And uh, I am a teacher, a scientist, uh, and a trainer. So um, I have been a scientist in my in my career. I've also been a, a primary school teacher. And I now run Dr. Joe Science Solutions, offering workshops and STEM clubs. And um, I also work as an independent consultant supporting teachers um, with a number of organisations, including Primary Science Quality Mark, STEM Learning and uh, Great Science Share for Schools as well. Wow. Fantastic. So, Emily, you touched on the fact that last you were in the classroom up until last year, and then you decided to step outside of the classroom and create virtual school visits. So, what what happened? Why did you suddenly decide? You know what? After all this time, I'm actually going to leave teaching. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a, a definitive. I'm definitely I'm I'm off out. It was in my fourth year of teaching, mm. um, which I know can be a bit of a make or break point for a lot of teachers. Unfortunately, the sad statistics are that a lot of people do leave after that that amount of time. But to be com- completely honest with you, I was I was really loving teaching. I could see myself doing it for a good few years more at least. Um, but it was right in the thick of COVID yeah. and. As people started kind of moving to online learning and things like virtual um, kind of dial-in opportunities were springing up everywhere, I had a bit of a, well, it's a bit cringy, but I call it a light bulb moment because I really (laughs) did just (laughs) suddenly think, hang on a minute, you know, this is, this is brilliant that we're having to use this now, you know, we're having to adapt and use this technology. But it seems strange to me that, you know, COVID or no COVID, why is this not more of a, a kind of typical thing that teachers can access anyway Uh, you know you've got the large interactive whiteboard at the front of the classroom Uh, there are fantastic experts dotted up and up and down the country who've got all these skills but maybe can only reach you know the certain radius from where they live and so there the idea was born and uh, we've got four categories which are uh, scientists and so Joe is one of those fantastic scientists on the website uh, we have famous authors mm-hmm. we have Olympic and Paralympic athletes and then are probably one of well I particularly really enjoy the historical characters so we've got professional actors yeah. who are dressed up in role 
Uh, so you can imagine, you know, Henry VIII or Florence Nightingale dialing into the classroom. And yeah, that kind of from the initial idea, it was one of those things that see, people always say to me, well, how did you get to where it, where it is now? And I was like, I don't know. I just did the next sort of logical step and I did the next thing. And mm. before I knew it, the, the website was built and I had the speakers and, and the interest was there. And, you know, here I am now. I'm, I've now left teaching and I'm working on it full time. And it's it's very exciting. Yeah, it's fascinating. And so, Joe, you're one of the scientists for that. But you've said as well that, you know, you've worked in science, you've worked, you know, as a teacher in a primary school. And now you are Dr. Joe Science. Personally, really love that name, by the way, Dr. Joe Science. I mean, is this a permanent thing? Do you think you'll return to classroom? Uh, You know, tell me about your career journey. I have never uh, had a definitive plan about what I would do in my career journey. Mm -hmm. So I started off, um, I absolutely love science, but I am a bit of a polymath. I love lots of other things as well. I'm very creative. um, Mm. uh, I love food um, and languages. Um, So obviously, you know, typical primary school teacher with lots of lots of strings to my bow. Um, so I started off in science, but actually uh, my parents are both teachers um, and the the pull and draw of education was too great. Um, and I wouldn't say I would never go back in the classroom because I absolutely love teaching. And um, at the yeah. moment, I'm enjoying uh, uh, what I call my my portfolio or patchwork career. So I have lots of lots of things, <laughs> my fingers in lots of pies. So um, I still get that interaction with with children, either through virtual school visits um, or uh, or the you know the in person workshops and things that I do, but I also work mm. with some schools um, on a regular basis. So I do have that 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 repeated contact with the same children as well, which is you know is is what what we all love as educators as well. But I love helping people, and so um, supporting other teachers in their development as well is really important to me. So the work that I do with the Primary Science Quality Mark and and with STEM Learning to support other educators um, really it really drives me as well. Um, so I don't have a definitive plan about where things will go next, but I, I like to to do a variety of different things. I think you've made some really valid points there about the fact that actually we, as primary teachers, we do tend to have so many different strings. But I think teachers have so many strings to their bows. And actually what each of you have done is you may have left the classroom, but you're still impacting significantly on children's lives and their learning. So I wonder, Emily, you know, is there a place for us coming in and out of the classroom throughout our time at work? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. And I think absolutely, you know, as, as Joe alluded to, I also would, would not write off ever returning to teaching. And I think maybe there is a little bit of a, a sense that people you know, sign up and train to be these fantastic teachers. And that's it, you're kind of locked in for life. And that can be quite overwhelming. Teaching is absolutely exhausting. I've been there, I know how it feels. Mm. Um, But equally, it is so, so rewarding. And I think we would, a lot of people have, I think Joe and I mentioned this earlier, or you you had a chat to me about it, Joe, about feeling a little bit guilty about leaving the classroom. And and I get that, you know, I, I really feel like when I was there and I was teaching face to face I was really making a difference and sometimes now as I'm running a business um, you know yes people have said to me oh but you, you know, you're impacting thousands more children now because you're having all these video calls going live into classrooms and you know yes I can quantify that and understand that but it's hard to really um, match that up in your head with the like the face-to-face interaction with children so yeah I, I think that 
this idea that you become a teacher, you're a teacher for life. Um, maybe we need to rethink that. And if you want to do a couple of years and then you need to step out of the classroom and do something different or you need to move to part time if, you, if you're able to do that um, and then return to teaching later. Great. I think these are all options that people should maybe bear in mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, you know, if people are qualifying at the age of 21, 22, and then they're not allowed to retire until, what is it, is it 67 or 68? Now I lose track, it just keeps going up. I mean, that's a lot of time to be a teacher. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? I think it's really interesting, actually, that that and, and touching on that point that that Emily made uh, about the the guilt that perhaps we feel from stepping out of the, of yeah. the classroom. I think it's particular to... Um, to teaching and, and maybe some of the other uh, other professions, sort of, you know, like nursing and, and, and things like that, where we feel this guilt and pressure, whereas in any other profession or role, actually, you would you would segue into different roles and different different uh, areas of, 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 of life without that guilt associated with it. So um, I think that's perhaps something we need to think about. You know, we do have this this vast skill set um, and lots to give to society, whether that is directly in a classroom or using our skills in in other ways. Mm. So would you, Emily, coming back to you, because you touched on the fact that actually a lot of teachers after four years, Mm. you know, are leaving. Mm. Do you think putting in place something like, I'm just throwing this out there because this is what's coming out for me, ladies, um, (laughs) a sabbatical or something for people to actually go and experience different different things would would be beneficial or do you think you know that there should be career I don't know I'm sort of yeah a hundred percent I think teaching you know is is so consuming as a as a career uh, you are emotionally so invested in it. It's, it's exhaustion like I've never known before in my life I'm not sure I will ever feel that again um, and yeah and I think people go into teaching with such good intentions and they are such you know they're people who want to make a difference and have an impact Mm. and if there is an option you know there should I think you're right there should be an option to either have a career break go and work in for example something more along the lines of what I'm doing and to kind of you know work in education in another in another capacity for a year say Mm. or maybe shift gears and move from primary to secondary in a kind of secondment type type thing I think if if that was a bit more normalized it would give people that breath of fresh air that chance to kind of rethink or maybe it's just that I need to move school or actually I'm I'm ready to do you know take this route in my in my career path and yeah I think there's this sort of one track route isn't there to to leadership um but I I think some people just love being in the classroom with the children and there should perhaps as well as a leadership route also be a route where you could become an expert teacher um I always thought that was something that was missing really in the career progression well you'll be too young to know this Emily but that was a thing at one point it was it was a thing and then for some reason they got rid of it but it's 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 a real pity because actually I think what is happening because we don't have that you know all of these opportunities out there is people are leaving but not seeing it as a what what's refreshing talking to both of you is you've said yes you know you're not teaching in a classroom at the moment but that's not to say you won't return to teaching in a classroom but I think so many people leave the profession but and actually completely leave the profession they have nothing to do with education because 
they can't see anything but this ladder. I loved what you said, Joe, about it being a career patchwork. Yes, and I, I'm I'm very fond of my career patchwork. Um, I do I, I I I like to do a variety of different things, so it suits me really well to be doing doing different things and and making changes as well. Um, I think it's 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 interesting the kind of you know the four five year point where lots of teachers leave as well. Um, I mean they they kind of do always say that it starts to get easier after five years because you know you've got you've got much more experience under your belt, but. Thinking back to those, those thoughts that you had, you know, about sabbaticals and things like that, I think that's much more normalised, perhaps in, in in other countries um, where teaching is valued a bit more as a as a profession, where those opportunities are absolutely there for people to spend, you know, a secondment either in a leadership position or in other aspects of education. Um, yeah, certainly, I think those opportunities are available in other parts of the world, and perhaps we need to look to that. And that, that might be a better way of, of valuing our, our teaching staff and, and maintaining people in, in education, making a difference. That makes so much sense. Personally, I've always fancied going and doing something at university, you know, as a sabbatical for you. I just, you know, that really has always appealed. And I think, I mean, most people listening to the podcast will know that I've carved out my own little sort of, I call it a climbing wall based on a conversation I had with Nick Owens. But it's very much a a climbing wall where I've got various different rock formations across my wall. And, you know, I've got my teaching, which is what I do, but I'm also now developing my coaching. I've also got everything I do for my equity diversity representation. I've got my evidence lead educator role. But I've sort of created a career that I am utterly in love with. But I don't know if I've been able to do that because I've been in it so long. So therefore, I feel more empowered to take hold of the reins. I don't know if, Emily, I'll come to you on this one. I don't know whether there's a level of disempowerment if you're just starting in and and you feel that you have to follow this route, route, this route, this route. I think, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, thinking back to my teacher training, um, it might seem a little bit odd during teacher training as you're training for a new profession for them to be talking about leaving the profession, but it's such a pertinent issue. You know, the statistics are there that you almost think it would be worth at least one one or two lectures of talking about the career path and, yeah. you know, the options available to you and maybe having interviews um, similar to this one or hearing about people who were feeling like it was all getting a bit too much and then what they did or... Yeah, I I think it's a conversation that needs to be had because I do think, you know, from my experience and from speaking to other teachers who are early on on in their career, I don't think it's a conversation that comes up that often about feeling like there are other options. It feels very much like you're a teacher or you leave and you go and do a completely different career. And I think that's that needs to change. Well, it's always when you get asked that that question in interviews. So where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, You can't really say, well, actually, do you know what? I feel like, you know, I see myself running virtual school visits in five years (laughs) and having a bit of time out from the classroom. That's not something that actually comes up because you, that would, I think, be frowned upon within our profession currently. But I love what you said, Joe, which is actually what we need to do is somewhat refine it the way it is in other countries where teaching is a more respected profession. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I don't have a magic wand to make us get there at all, but perhaps no. by, uh, you know, people like like Emily and yourself, Toria, and, and I, 
um, speaking out about these these careers mm-hmm. that we are, are, you know, are carving for ourselves, doing the things that we enjoy, using our skills in different ways. You know, perhaps little by little, we will we will chip away at that, and and people will will see the opportunities and and the value. Yeah, because I think that's absolutely vital. The fact that it's not about leaving the profession, but it's beginning to see that the profession does not need to be class teacher, followed by year leader, followed by this, followed by that, straight up that ladder, because actually that doesn't fit people. I'm wondering as well, Emily, going back to the four-year thing, do you think it four years is because that's when you are expected to take on more responsibilities and have moved up that ladder? I think, yeah, I think partly. I mean, that's sort of roughly where I was in my career. And, you know, it wasn't that I was not willing to go down that route. That that route was fairly exciting and interesting to me. But I, I agree there there is a you get to that point where you're kind of established in, in the school or in your kind of career so far. Um, like Joe says, by that point, you're quite competent, hopefully, and, and feel a lot more confident than you did maybe in the first year or two. And so, yeah, there is an expectation. And I think possibly quite rightly, because you'd have that in most most careers where it's time to maybe, well, it's time to progress in some in some respect. But I do think, like you said, that there is this one track. OK, right. Well, so now you'll become this this particular leader or this or that. And, and sometimes I think that's a bit, oh, that's a bit daunting for a lot of people. And actually it's maybe a little bit more of an open conversation that needs to be had. Mm. Yeah. And also I, just to add, I just one one other thing that popped into my head a second ago was um, you know, this idea, like I love Joe's phrase, patchwork career. And and actually if you are in that sort of four or five year year point and you do still love teaching, but actually you are sort of thinking, oh okay, but I would also be quite interested in expanding this this part of my skill set. And then having the kind of the willingness um from I, don't, I guess leadership to maybe move to a part-time role if that's possible mm. um and just have that as a little bit more of it like you said a bit more of a freeing conversation rather than a daunting conversation uh, because I think there are so many mm. people that are more than willing to continue teaching uh, but maybe that the full-time aspect of it or the the leadership path isn't quite for them so some kind of gray area in between I think yeah yeah, I think having the courage to have those conversations and having the courage to say, this is what I would like to do. And I know that when I went to my head about the whole coaching thing, because, you know, I've now started my ILM level five in coaching, which I'm sure the listeners are sick to death of hearing about. But, you know, I'm really excited. This is something that I have wanted to do for so long. And now I'm doing it. But actually, you know, I went to my head teacher and said, this is what I want to do. You know, I really sat down and had a conversation with myself beforehand and was like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Yes, I want to teach. Yes, I want to be in the classroom, but I also want to be helping others. And I want to be doing that. But by coaching, that's what I want to be doing. And I'm really grateful that, you know, he, my head teacher was, um, open-minded, reflective, is, is absolutely supportive in this respect. Um, you know, so I would encourage anyone to go and have those conversations. But also, I do, I do think you need to have a word with yourself first and actually find out where you want to go. So, Emily, 
I'm fascinated by this virtual school visits thing. I really am. The idea of having Henry VIII pop in is just, you know, <laughs> is just really. So who, where are all these people from? How did you get connected with all of these people, Emily? Yeah, so I suppose what what happened was I had the idea, um, spoke to a lot of people who said that it was a great idea, which was nice to hear. But obviously that was sort of close family and friends. So you want to move beyond that a little bit. <laughs> You get that X factor moment of everyone just telling you that it's good. and um, But no, then I did a, a, a bit of an online survey and luckily then had lots of other teachers and school leaders agreeing with me. So at that point, I, I started approaching people. I narrowed down from that survey what categories people would be most interested mm. in. I had a rough idea, but, you know, I had a list of about 20 potential different things. And then, that, then I narrowed it down to these four categories. And from that, I started approaching um, people. So if we take scientists, for example, of which Joe is one, it was just a case of, you know, having a good old Google and finding the top scientists in the UK uh, who currently go into schools. Mm. Um, and I end approached them. And, you know, it's it feels quite commonplace now, this idea of having a virtual call, a virtual visit. But actually, at the time, it, it was quite new and exciting. It was very deep in the, in the throes of COVID when we all could barely leave our house. Um, I think the opportunity was it was a good timing. And thankfully, a lot of people were very keen to get on board. So, yeah, I just lots of emails, lots of persuasing, persuading. <laughs> But it's great. I think it's it's a really, really good idea because it enables one of the things that I think we have a real issue with in school with school visits is ensuring that children are seeing people that represent them in careers. So, Joe, yes. I'm coming to you as a scientist because historically we've always seen middle-aged men. Yeah, white, middle-aged, bald men. Yes, maybe even with a yes, beard. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> So um, yeah, I, I, I'm afraid I, I still tick the white middle-aged box, but I but I am female, so I think that's that's quite um, empowering as well for to to see, you know, female scientists in the in the classroom. Mm. Well, you know, you that you can't see what you can't be what you can't see. That's the phrase, isn't it? And so, Emily, is that? part of the whole virtual school visits thing do you want children to see themselves in those visitors perhaps not henry the eighth by the way a hundred percent i think you know you've, you've hit a really a really nice area that maybe i don't focus on enough which is uh, the opportunities to inspire and to connect children um, with these experts and and role models who they might not typically have come into their classroom just purely by location. Mm. Um, I work. I've been working with a school on the Orkney Islands uh, off the north coast wow. of Scotland. Yeah, it's brilliant. And just the idea that those children can now not only have a fantastic professionally trained actor who might live, you know, hundreds of miles away, um, but equally they could have Dr. Joe dial into their classroom mm. and bring her expertise um, or an Olympic athlete who lives in London. You know, it's it's just it's that idea of connecting people was, you know, definitely one idea as to why I did it. Um, another was just the cost, actually, the cost of school trips, the cost yeah. of coach hire is a bit of a, a mad one. Um, and so these are a fraction of the price. Um, and then just teacher time. You know, if you're planning a school trip out, there's risk assessments, there's recruiting parent helpers, there's booking the thing and ringing up. And actually, what I really pride myself on is the website, the way it's structured. It is really just a very quick form probably maximum 15 20 minutes of your time so you could do it in a in a break time you've booked something mm. uh out the meeting link and it's done and so far the feedback has been really really good which is great 
And what's the website address? It's virtualschoolvisits with an S on the end dot com. Perfect. It's a it's such a great idea. And I think, you know, yeah, you mentioned coach hire. Coach hire is absolutely mental nowadays and it just yeah. stops. You know, we've got in my school, we've got six classes in each year group. So you need so many coaches to go on a school visit and it's yeah. it's just insane because it actually yeah. means that every time you go anywhere or do anything, you're paying largely for the transport to it as opposed to what you're getting when you're there, which is a real pity. It is. And yeah, there must be a lot of very rich coach companies out there. There, there um, must be. <laughs> yeah, lucrative. I mean, I've, I've always said it's not, you know, I'm not here to take over school trips. I don't want anyone to think, oh, but, you know, school trips are fantastic. Of course they are. Of course, taking the children out and having those face to face experiences, you can't ever get away from that. But actually, if you have your six half terms in a year uh, and you're trying to bring those various topics to life in different ways, then I think substituting, you know, one of the, one or two of those in a year for a virtual visit um, is, is quick, it's easy, it's cheaper. Um, and I think actually just as impactful half the time. So. <laughs> have a look absolutely thank you so much both of you for really sort of making me think about you know life and we're not going to say life after teaching I'm going to say that the patchwork you know career of that is teaching you know I, th- I think that's a really lovely way to put it now as you know I always ask one final question which is if you could have been taught by anyone living or dead who would have been your perfect teacher so I'm going to come to you first Jo. Uh, that's a really easy one for me actually um, and it's David Attenborough and um, oh, I yeah. still have hope that uh, that one day he will be my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love that and what about you Emily? Yeah, that's a good one. My one is a bit weird, maybe, but I, th- I just I, I, I like why. Well, that's fine. You crack on. I put Elon Musk. Nice. I think he's. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about him. He's a visionary. You know, I just think he's quite interesting. I always find myself watching little like YouTube clips of him <laughs> talking about things. I don't know. There's just I think there's few people that are kind of spearheading these fantastic new innovations, and I and I always seem to be drawn into what he has to say so yeah I wouldn't mind having a lesson from Elon Musk if he's free in between sending spaceships to Mars (laughs) (laughs) well they can both definitely join the tiny voice taught school thank you both Emily and Joe for coming on the tiny voice taught podcast and chatting to me I have had an absolutely great half an hour with you thank you so much it's been lovely thanks for having us Tori I really appreciate it Mm -hmm.